You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javano Kelly live from Seattle, Washington, USA. Greetings, greetings beautiful people. My name is Simon Javan Okelo. I am excited to be here with you uh, on YouTube and across other platforms uh, for today's episode of the African Father in America podcast. I am in Seattle, Washington and uh, I broadcast from Seattle Monday to Friday 6am Pacific Standard Time. Today I deliberately started the show a little late because I am expecting a really special guest and is unable to join us any earlier than 6:30 a.m. this morning which is 4:30 p.m. eastern east african time so uh, i'll tell you more after the guest joins because with podcasting especially remote podcasting uh, you never know whether the internet will allow the guest to join or not so i will wait uh, for our guest to join us uh, in about 15 minutes in about 15 minutes is when we should expect to hear from our guest today uh, but i'm excited because he's someone i really look up to when it comes to the podcasting world uh, so in any case i'm going to start us off with our proverb for today our proverb for today is incredible uh, and i want to share it on the screen share with me where you are joining me from i see that quite a few of you have joined the show let me know where in the world you are joining me from Uh, on the screen now is the peul uh, peul or peul proverb peul proverb and uh, this proverb says that the jungle is stronger than the elephant wow the jungle is stronger than the elephant that's our proverb for today uh, share your thoughts about it in the comments uh, and also subscribe to the channel if you have not subscribed to the channel yet This uh, Peul proverb is really really special. It speaks about adaptability and uh, that is what we are going to explore during today's episode. Remember we are also on Amp. If you haven't followed me on Amp, uh, you should follow me there. Amp is a really nice app where uh, besides uh, you know doing the show there, I can actually play music. If if I'm interviewing an artist, I'm able to play their music live from amp which is owned by amazon music so uh, you should check it out and uh, follow me over there because we have the show going on there right now as well um our proverb today from peul it says again that the jungle is stronger than the elephant the jungle is stronger than the elephant so in our video today here on Uh, on YouTube and also throughout our conversation today we are going to try and understand what this proverb means uh, our ancestors who left us with this proverb what is it that uh, they were trying to tell us you know i think they were trying to talk about um, resilience and uh, how we can behave ourselves in the face of extreme challenges how can we survive difficult moments and uh and then how can we maintain uh you know seasons of doing well for ourselves you know how do we understand our environment so that we can thrive in the environment that we live in because 
a lot of the time we might think that we can conquer the environments that we live in but the environments that we live in are actually they've been here before us and we are probably going to live this earth the way it is so what this proverb is teaching us is how do we adapt you know how do we uh, get along you know so i have three nuggets of wisdom that i am going to share with you in a moment and um after sharing with you these three nuggets of wisdom uh, i am also going to ask you to share your own perspectives in regards to this proverb you know uh, i really really thank you for taking the time to join me for the show today if you haven't followed me whether you are watching this on linkedin whether you are listening to this on amp whether you are on on x on twitter uh, remember to you know follow me over there and also share the link to this live stream my goal is to get to 10000 subscribers on youtube by the end of this month you know i want to add a few thousand subscribers we are at 7800 subscribers on youtube so if you're watching this for the first time or if you're listening and you have not taken a minute to subscribe to my youtube channel i would really encourage you to go ahead and push that subscribe button and uh, that's one of the biggest ways that you can support so back to our proverb from the peul uh, community that says that the jungle is stronger than the elephant here are the three nuggets of wisdom that i want to share with you uh, and i'll go just a little deeper with each one of them the first one says that nature is powerful and cannot be tamed this one is uh, very true you know when you look around you uh, we realize that when nature shows us who nature really is we realize that we are very very small in the grand scheme of things you know um many times as kids we used to play with ants and insects and different kinds of animals or uh, creatures and we felt that they were so tiny and they probably felt that we were so tiny we were so huge but then um when now something happens to us for example when there is flooding when there is a tsunami when there is an earthquake uh or when there are storms that is when we realize that as human beings we are very vulnerable and we are living in an environment that is just kind to us you know um whenever we are experiencing this uh you know extreme weather conditions uh you know weather conditions for example in beijing just the other day i was watching uh, a, a news video on youtube where beijing was experiencing floods that have never been seen in decades you know uh and you know not too long ago in east africa people were experiencing a lot of drought uh there were even um there was even uh, a grasshopper infestation where farmers who had been farming for months and months in Ethiopia uh then down to Kenya and even further further south of the continent to uh Tanzania and Malawi there was just a huge infestation of grasshoppers that were just sweeping through farms and when they come across your farm everything any green thing is gone you know uh and so 
this proverb is teaching us that nature is powerful and cannot be tamed. So how do we then adapt so that we live uh, peacefully uh, and we can co coexist with nature? You know, uh, here is where we also start thinking about some of the climate change uh, activism that is going on, uh, the work of people like Wangari Mathai uh, from Kenya, you know, some of the efforts that they made, the forests that they they established are really some of the things that are keeping us around, you know. So what we are being asked here is how do we tame this place that we call home, you know. Um, you know, is planting a tree enough, you know, is understanding the earth better enough, you know. So this leaves me with more questions than answers. And I imagine that you are also being left with more questions than answers. But really, there is a sense of being humbled when... Uh, when you listen to a proverb like this, you know, uh, and when you understand that nature cannot be tamed, you know, what will you do when you, you find yourself in a situation where, you know, where you're in the midst of an earthquake? You know, just the other day I was watching a video uh, uh, about something that happened in Johannesburg where uh, there was somebody in the street just doing their their regular routine, and the video showed how there was a there was a gas explosion underground, you know, under this street that threw all the cars that were on the street, you know, up in the air, and uh, things people were running around from every direction, uh, and we see that some things can happen even when we least expect them to happen. So uh, this this particular nugget of wisdom is really really um, you know making me say much say a lot than i would usually want to say but now we go to the second one which says that we must respect and appreciate the natural world you know recently i went on a on a safari in kenya and i was able to interact uh not directly oh well i touched uh the giraffe you know because i went to the giraffe center in nairobi but really when i was out uh in the masai mara i was able to see hundreds uh, of elephants you know i was able to see tens of lions and when you look at these animals you know uh you really you really get to have a deep appreciation of them we took our time and uh we were able to even see eye to eye sometime uh there was a there was a, a leopard that was sleeping and when it when it got up from its nap we would be right there uh you know, just trying to understand its beauty, its power, uh, but then it sees these little human beings watching it, you know, and then it just looks at you for a moment and then it goes to bed because it feels like you are harmless, you know. But imagine um, how dangerous. It's said that within seconds, uh, leopards create extreme damage in villages where they attack, you know, uh, within seconds. So, um, you know, when when you think about how how much of an appreciation we need to have for the natural world, uh, you know, we can only be reminded by proverbs like this. You know, um, even here in the in the U.S. Uh, in Seattle, where I live, there are so many opportunities for us to go and uh, you know climb Mount uh, Rainier for us to. To go out hiking and experience places like Rattlesnake Ridge, um, but when you think about uh, our 
our ancestors and uh, our elders a lot of them uh, did not have the habit and the urge to go out and conquer these natural uh, places the way we do uh, right now part of sporting is actually going hiking and climbing mountains and things like that but there is the spiritual aspect of it that is being lost you know there is the spiritual aspect and the mystic aspect of uh you know observing a mountain that is being lost you know the respect that people have for things like mountains and hills and rivers and lakes you know i come from a place where uh, people worshipped Lake Victoria um, and these days, you know, the lake is overfished and it's not been taken care of. So when you have a spiritual relationship with this natural uh, world, then you have a deeper appreciation for it. Now let's go to the third nugget of wisdom that says that even the strongest individuals can be overwhelmed by the forces of nature and we should be humble in the face of its power. That's exactly what I was trying to describe a moment ago. Um, you know, when you're in the middle of the ocean and first of all, you don't know how to swim uh, or you're not a good swimmer like myself, you're just, uh, you know, maybe in a friend's boat or maybe you're in a cruise, you know, and then you realize that if something happens to this machine, I might not make it outside of this ocean. If something happens to... Um, you know, if something happens to the rope that is tying you, because some of us are involved in extreme sports, you know, where we do banjo jumping and things like that. Um, so it's really important that we are aware that we are living in a world that is bigger than us and we should treat it with some form of uh, respect and uh, we, should res we should be sensitive to the fact that, uh, you know, we are just a small part of this big, big world. That's what this proverb that we're discussing today is reminding us about. So if you're just joining me for today's episode of the African Father in America podcast, my name is Simon Javan Okelo, and uh, I am the host of the African Father in America podcast. And our proverb that is guiding our conversation today is from the Piul uh, community and it says that the jungle is stronger than the elephant. I don't know if you've all seen the elephant in real life, you know. Uh, I've been privileged to see the elephant a few times in real life and, uh, you know, baby elephants, baby elephants are very, very cute. But a fully grown male elephant is huge. And, uh, you know, just uh, one month ago, I was able to see like uh, a group or a family of elephants uh, crossing roads, traveling from uh, the hills to the rivers uh, in the Masai Mara where they live. And you can even feel the, the ground shaking a little bit as a big group of elephants are walking or running, walking fast towards the river to drink water. And so, um, you know, this proverb is just reminding us that we, as human beings, we need to be more aware of our surroundings and we need to be aware that if the, if the, if the jungle is stronger than the elephant, then who are we, you know? The elephant can take off a tree, you know? And this proverb is still teaching us that even that big elephant is afraid of the jungle. 
So we need to really, really be aware of, you know, uh, our place and our privilege as human beings. Now, I want to take a moment to just check in with all of you who have joined me here for the show. I want to read some of your comments. And uh, I also want to take a minute to just check whether our guest, um, whether our guest is uh, on his way. He was supposed to join us in, in about three minutes is when our guest was supposed to join us. He had to go and get his daughter from school. So uh, hopefully he joins us in about uh, in about two minutes. Uh, so we'll be patient here and uh, I want to read more of your comments. So if you haven't shared your comment with me, let me know where you are joining me from. Uh, and also let me know your perspective on this comment, What does on this proverb. What does today's proverb mean for you? You know, before we jump into the interview portion of our show today, just let me know what today's proverb means for you. Um, uh, one moment as I just uh, check in with Mwafrika. Mwafrika is going to be our guest today, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, brother, brother, uh, thank you again for your support. Thank you for joining me from, uh, you know, North Carolina. And uh, I really, I really miss hearing your voice. You know, we started this show uh, officially on Clubhouse. You know, Clubhouse is a social audio platform where every morning around the same time I used to uh, you know, get up and share a proverb and I would have a, a gathering of people, you know, sometime just myself like it is today, sometime 40, 50, even 2,000 people have been part of this show in a single day. So uh, after the pandemic, you know, uh, after the, the pandemic started, um, you know, going away, I began producing the show here on YouTube and I began multi-streaming it to other platforms like Twitter and Facebook. So originally I connected with Brother Earth on Clubhouse where we were able to actually hear each other's voice and hear each other's perspectives on the proverb. So uh, hopefully sometime I'll be able to broadcast on Clubhouse and uh, hear more voices and hear your voice as well. So thank you for being here. Uh, let me know what you think of today's proverb. Um, I also just want to, uh, you know, look back at uh, the last few days. You know, it's Wednesday and last week was my first week of broadcasting this show after a while. You know, I took time off from May to August 1st because I was um, focusing on the production of the Madaraka Festival that is really the primary thing I do at the moment. And uh, I started producing Madaraka Festival in 2014 at the Museum of Pop Culture. And uh, I have continued doing it. Uh, next year is the 10th anniversary. So this year we were very privileged. We were able to do Madaraka Festival in six cities across the US. Six cities, that is Atlanta, Dallas, Seattle, Los Angeles, New York and Washington DC. So if you go to One Vibe TV on YouTube, you'll be able to catch a lot of the 
the content, uh, the, the performances, the beautiful performances from Saudi Soul, King Kaka, uh, and many, many other artists that joined us for this year's Madaraka Festival. So check that out. Uh, and, uh, you know, as we continue on with the show, I haven't heard from our guest today. I really want to hold on and wait for him to join us. So here he is. Niaje mu Afrika? Hello Niaje. Daika moja tu. Mambo. Noje nimejoin haraka. But if you want me to use are you saying I have a mic, I have everything because I didn't know if it's something I can use a PC on. So I can connect yeah. them, but Yeah, connect them, them, connect them. Yeah. Yeah, it's take Take your time, take your time and connect it so that we can, we Get can, ha, yeah, have something good, man. Thank you. How is your daughter? You go poor, you go poor. I'm a Kasirika Namimi. I'm a Kudale Tana, like, yeah, five, five minutes ago. Yeah. So that I've not, she wanted to Kuninix, Kunabdo Kantaka Fanganamina, so easy to buy. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, me pia niko na niko na madotas watatu so kudil na daughters ni hivyo. <laughs> Lazima ufanye mostly what they want. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, but once in a while you're you're busy like right now. So I'm trying to reason out with her that I can't kuna mtu siwezi fanya size. Yeah, 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 and appreciate yeah. hii time we make ili tuweze ku ku chat hapa kidogo. Eh yeah. So nini yako wa live ama una pre-record? Mi ufanya live, alafu oh. Yeah, mi ufanya live. Aina normal lakini juu na napenda na easy behind the scene moments pia. Unaelewa? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so si mind uh but Niksha Niksha Hello. <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh don't know son you can transfer yes 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 transfer yeah um yeah so yeah so send the link to myself by okay. email okay um Amatayo link kuzantumia tu iko nini TV cuz hapa si nikitu nini ndio ni copy from here I have to disappear ama Oh link ya ya ku live stream ama hiyo ku live stream so that I can open it on there cuz hata nikifungua iko naniambia it's best on iko it's best on what it's best on on the phone ama PC Eh iko nasema it's best on the PC that's what you were say telling me Jaribu 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 ndio uone unaweza toka kwa show for now alafu kuja Okay okay yeah. so po narudi Hi. Okay. Thank you all for your patience uh that's our guest for today Mwafrika is an is an amazing podcaster youtuber but also an amazing artist is a rapper he's done so many things uh in the Kenyan industry and so uh, it's really really a privilege that he's taking the time to join us for today's show i definitely 
feel honored that uh, he's taking the time to join us for today's show. If you're still here with me, please let me know in the chats, um, you know, where you're joining me from so that uh, I can give you a shout out. But I also want to see uh, your own perspectives of today's uh, proverb, you know, type it down there so that I know your own perspectives on today's proverb. Uh, I want to, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Um, there is a, a Ikonini podcast. Ikonini podcast is the podcast that is hosted by Mwafrika and it's really one of my favorite podcasts to follow, uh, you know, in Kenya. So uh, I'm really, really privileged for this uh, moment here. Um, yeah, yeah. So let me know where you're joining me from and let me know what you think about today's proverb. I'm going to put it uh, on there in a moment. Yeah. Great. I was just letting my team know uh, what's going on. Uh, Again, I'm live on AMP. AMP is an amazing, uh, uh, it's an amazing platform owned by Amazon Music. And uh, uh, I love, you know, being there on AMP as well. So if you don't know about AMP, you should join me over there. You know, it's one of the places where I share the show and I, I record it over there so that later on, uh, you know, you can replay it there. But one other thing I learned about AMP is they actually pay creators, you know. People have been raving about Twitter uh, paying creators, but AMP probably pays creators better than Twitter. So I just want you to know that if you're a creator and you're creating consistently and you want to be paid from the work that you do uh, as a podcaster, or if you want to start your own online radio show, you should look into AMP. I think it's a great, great platform. Uh, so check that out. And uh, in a moment here, we're just going to go deep into the conversation with my guest today, who is an amazing uh, mover and shaker over there in Kenya. Uh, and I'm really privileged to have him as a guest today uh, for our show. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's one of the hosts uh, of uh, Ikonini podcast, Ikonini podcast. So uh, make sure you check that out. Make sure you check that out on YouTube. And also make sure you subscribe to the channel here on YouTube. Uh, you know, my channel is at Okelo Javan. That's the channel for the African Father in America podcast. Uh, again, if you're joining me for the first time, I, I just deeply appreciate you for the love and the support. And uh, just know that I love doing this. I do this for my culture. I do this for my own mental health. Uh, you know, when I share these African proverbs, when I'm able to try to figure out what these proverbs mean, it allows me to also, you know, regulate my mental health, remember where I came from, uh, gain some form of confidence in who I am, uh, especially when you're living so far away from home, 
uh, it's always important to really remind yourself of where you came from. But uh, for me, doing that in a spiritual way is also important. And these proverbs are deep in a way that they ground me spiritually and I'm able to uh, approach them that way, you know. And, uh, you know, we have over almost 450 episodes of the African Father in America podcast. And a lot of you wonder, how does Simon, you know, record so many episodes of his podcast? How did he get to 400? The only way I got there is by podcasting every day, Monday to Friday. So I wake up early. A lot of the time I wake up by 4 a.m. in the morning. So by the time... Uh, you know, by the time I'm recording this podcast, which is 6 a.m. in the morning, Monday to Friday, a lot of people are already uh, up as well. But by the time it's 7 in the morning, my episodes are already all over, across all podcasting platforms, on Apple Podcasts, on uh, Spotify, on Amazon Podcasts, and that's every day. So imagine for the last three years, I've just been pushing like that. So even if I take a long break, if I take like a two-month break or a one-month break, my podcasts are still there in plenty. And uh, it's hard for any podcast to catch up with me in terms of the, the quantity of the content. Uh, the quality of the content, I'm very proud of it as well. I don't edit my content. It's live, you know. So I don't edit it with music and stuff like that. If you listen to the earlier episodes, I used to do that. But to be efficient, to be raw, to be authentic, I just live broadcast my podcast. Then I use an app called Descript to turn the video into audio. And then I distribute it as the podcast. And then I have a team member in Kenya who takes the the entire episode and cuts it into, you know, one minute promo videos that uh, I use for YouTube shorts. Uh, I use it for, uh, you know, reels. I use it for, uh, you know, for TikTok. So, you know, that's kind of the process, a part of my process and a part of how I do the work that I do. Um, and really my goal is to not just do this for the culture, but to uh, to earn, earn an income from doing this. So I have been privileged um, through this podcast. I have partnered with, you know, the state of Washington recently. I have partnered with the port of Seattle recently. Uh, and uh, I continue building more partnerships, uh, even with tech companies that distribute podcasts, uh, tech companies like AMP. I am building a relationship with them, you know, uh, and... A lot is going to come out of this, uh, you know, African Father in America podcast. And also some of the guests that I've hosted have become some of my biggest supporters. Some are sponsors, some are uh, working with funding uh, agencies, and some are just, uh, you know, community members who are cheering me on uh, and supporting me in different ways. You know, some are artists that uh, have performed at Madaraka Festival. And so for me... Uh, the idea is to build community with this platform, you know, and to do it consistently. Uh, that's my goal. Um, let me know where you're joining me from. Uh, I see, I see that uh, I see Jones is here too. Uh, thank you, Jones. Uh, that's Jones is a part of our team in Kenya. Is 
the leader of one vibe band in kenya he plays keys and he also offers lessons over there in kenya for um if for students who are interested in learning music you know that's one of the things i do uh, we run an education music and art program in kisumu kenya and without jones and the team there shamir uh, stella steve we would not be able to do uh, such things so uh, you know make sure you check out www.onevibeafrica.org if you want to learn more about our education music and art program so uh, we are still waiting here patiently hopefully more africa is going to be able to join us here in a minute uh, and then we will continue on with the show good things take time you know so if you've been here with me since the beginning of the show uh i just appreciate you i just appreciate you because uh you know that is what support looks like you know showing up for each other uh so thank you again just make sure you type in the comments so that i know that you're here with me you know i see brother art is here i see that uh jones is also here and i deeply appreciate that share with me your own thoughts in regards to today's proverb i'm going to put it on the screen there for just a moment for you to take a look at it the jungle is stronger than the elephant share with me what this means to you in the comment while i take a sip of this coffee the jungle is stronger than the elephant that is our proverb for today let me know what it means to you let me know what it means to you. I shared three nuggets of wisdom related to this beautiful proverb. And um, I also want to know your own perspective of it. You know, there is another African proverb that says that, um, you know, um, it says that, you know, uh, th these proverbs, these proverbs, you know, like, it, it it says that uh you know proverbs are like fire you know and people have to share it you know so you cannot have a full understanding of what these proverbs mean unless you're sharing it with with somebody else uh if you live if if you've lived in the village uh especially in kenya you find that unless uh you're able to share the fire with your neighbors then uh, the, whatever fire you have does not mean anything, you know. Anyway, here is my guest. I'll stop rambling. <laughs> Hello. Africa. Arika Mojot. Ah, songesha camera yako. Kidogo tu. Unanisikia bro? Check, 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 check. Nakuskia, nakuskia. Nakuskia? Yeah, nakuskia. Okay, I'm hearing too much noise. I don't know why. Mute every mic, that's not. not yeah, kuna background. Background. Um. When you go come mic two, why? Check, check, check. Jiski. Headphones. Headphones. Check, check. Okay, okay. Um, I think the output. Um, 
But it's it's getting better. Let's have change output on the display for headphones. Settings. Because I can only see the input, the mic, and then I can't see output. Nafaku ipatad, kona nisikia. Apu hivu, mali, mali, camera hiko ayache apu, sasa for now. And as I songesha tu one more time, one more time the other way. Apu ni sao. Check, 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 check. Ebonga nisikie audio yako ama bado ana figure out you issue output Check, check, check. Ima ikikon. Ikon, ikon, lakini ikolo. Kusaya na msikia, lakini sijisikia. Oh. Ya, na nasikia difference tiari. Check, check, check. Buda, jenu kwa mshindo zio ni hazi. Bas, bas. Yeah, so kusaya na kusikia clearly sasa. Okay, okay. Okay, um, picha pia nuna ikuwa clear, so done. So, so wacha, wacha nini, a straighten. Camera yako. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, straighten camera lafu, pia menikata. Tiko try kwenye move. Eh, okay. Check, check. One, two. Yeah, mazi. Saiko saa, sindio? Yeah, yeah. Ayawi, ayawi huwa. No, eh, eh, eh. Iza, hini ni yako tujai tumia. Hii guest, hii kamsutu mea restream. Restream is easy, yaani? Yeah. Hii yako zo, wa? Because restream, you know, I'm using this, I'm using. Ingini ya na parakasimu. Yeah, sindio mlango. Yeah. Yeah, hini primarily natumika kwa. Kwa mtampigia tu. Ujue, yuko hapi mtampigia tu. Sa, tufungi hapo. Sa, so I think tunezaanza. Tunezaanza, sindio? 
Yeah, inafaujaribu yeah. ikam nitakuelezea more kuhusu. But okay. uh, niko grateful uh, you know uh, for the for the time you've created for us uh, to do this show and to all the oh. viewers and the listeners of the African Father in America podcast as we began the show earlier today I mentioned to you that you know we will be having a guest today and he will be joining us late because he had to take care of uh, he had to do some school picking up and dropping off of his daughter which I do a lot too I'm a father of yeah, three yeah. girls and I always talk about my daughters here uh, on mm-hmm. the podcast and for me uh, fatherhood and parenting especially african fathers are individuals that I have a lot of respect for because it's no joke raising children in 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 this time that we're living in you know so yeah. uh, I applaud you Africa but also I applaud you for the work you do with Ikonini podcast Uh, I Sante. applaud you you know for the work you do in the industry you know as an artist uh, as a trend setter but also your your storytelling abilities you know I've seen you host guests on your platform uh, you know for many many months so I want you though to take a stab at this proverb you know the jungle is stronger than the elephant I feel that this yeah. proverb is uh, is something that is going to ground us before we continue on with our conversation just to give you an idea of what our conversation is going to look like after you talk about this uh, proverb briefly we are going to go back into your childhood you know i want you to take us to a moment when you are like eight years old uh, and really looking back at that moment and uh, sharing with us maybe a story of how that moment inspired who you are today as a father as a as a as a leader when it comes to the media industry because you are also at Ghetto Radio you know and then yeah, from there yeah. we will build on we will build on but talk about this proverb uh, I'll I'll put it on the screen just quickly for those who are just uh, joining us uh, the jungle is stronger than the elephant that is our proverb for today and uh, I shared three nuggets of wisdom around it but I want to hear your own perspectives my brother Yeah, okay um the jungle is stronger than the elephant I'd, I'd say maybe that means that uh, even like the universe or earth will outlive even us humans you see like there's some things we found that will always live behind uh, so in another way it would also mean since in an african setting I'd expect it to mean the community is bigger than the individuals so like we cannot risk a whole community because of one leech one elephant <laughs> that would be my uh, yeah. that's what i think it means o- on your side yeah, yeah i agree it meant? well uh, on on our side what it meant is that the the you know nature is stronger than us you know a lot of yeah. the time we create things that make us feel that we can conquer the world you know we've created rockets but when yeah. the earthquake comes we run away you know when the tsunami comes we run away so we should be humble like our ancestors we should worship the lake we should worship the mountains we should not really worship it in the way that uh will make the catholics and the protesters feel protestants feel like we are worshiping idols but we should respect it and revere it and hold it to that esteem where our ancestors did that and that's why we didn't have climate change those days you know yeah uh, yeah. yeah yeah so that's yeah. how we were looking at it <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah respect yeah. to nature 
Yeah, mm-hmm. man. Um, so with the African Father in America podcast, one of my favorite questions that I ask my guests is to take us back to a period when you are 8 to 12 years old because for me, I always uh, think about a moment when I was living in Kisumu in Manyata. I was 8 years old. My mother gave me a bicycle. She was distributing milk and bread in Manyata, you know. And so I started a business when I was 8 years old. I could not even sit on the bicycle. I used to you know the the black mambas how if you are short you have to put your feet in between the frames in order for you mm-hmm. to ride it so yeah. uh, i was very popular in our neighborhood because i rode the bike like that but i had crates of milk and bread on the on the bike carrier and that was the moment when i began building relationships with business people uh, and growing my network so a lot of the time I ask my guests that because for me that is when I feel like I I saw the light bulb or or I began seeing that you know there is more than what I see you know so speak to that maybe share a story uh you know of an event that happened around that time that still inspires you today as the leader that you are um okay I don't know if mine, I'd call it an inspiration, but of course, like uh, a period that stands out in my mind is uh, when I was 12 years old. And around the time, um, my dad and my uh, one of uh, my uncles, who was his cousin, they used to run this business of uh, selling portion meals. So they used to sell portion meals all over Kenya, uh, like this post-journey portion meals machines. Eh? So um, there's this one deal where I think they struck a deal and then they ended up fighting. So when they ended up fighting, what happened is like uh, the story that I've had, because that time I was, a, I was a kid, so I didn't understand like the nitty gritties of everything that was happening. So the story that I had was that my uncle then called the people based in Sotik and he told them, don't deal with this other guy who was now my dad because uh, he's coming to call you so when my dad went there he was arrested so now when i'm 12 years old i had to go see my dad in um sotik so from nairobi you see like i feel like kids that time used to grow up faster than our kids right now so like at 12 my mom could just send me to sotik you know no no like adult uh, supervision just go come back so I had to go see my dad. And I remember when I reached that Sotik uh, remand, I think it was a remand prison on my watch. I've never forgotten this moment where I reached there and my dad was called uh, Sospita. So this prison guard starts screaming like, Mahobusu, anaitwa Sospita, kujo wone mtoto wako. And I remember seeing the look, the look on my dad's face was like he was defeated. And he was, I felt like he was ashamed and he felt like he'd maybe let me down or something and that stayed with me because uh it showed me how sometimes even um those african fathers you know they were not like us they could not express their feelings they had to always be strong always be what but in jail you're treated like a kid you know you're told jump go here go there go and he had to stay there i think for maybe another one year so i had to go see him there like another three times and yeah that's that stayed with me uh, it taught me about family like even family doing f- business with family can turn very ugly because that was his cousin who took him in and uh i think even the only reason that he ended up being freed was the fact that that cousin of his could not go to testify because he was the complainant in quotes and um 
so I think he had a health issue so he couldn't travel and that's how my dad was released but that stayed with me like business and then my family had this history of jail where like a lot of my uncles ended up in jail um so yeah I'd say that was a very powerful moment it's something I've never forgotten and now later in life I always look at it and I'm like would I want my kid to travel such long distances at 12 uh of course my kid it's a girl so with girls we are more cautious but still when if it was a boy to travel from nairobi to sotik um because you know my mom had to stay behind to work you know she she was now the sole breadwinner so she had to make sure that school fees are paid and what and what so taking a saturday off was a luxury that she didn't have so yeah i'd say that that stayed with me yeah man yeah, when yeah. I was researching you a little bit, I know you and I love everything yeah, you do, yeah. but I had to, I had to do my yeah. own research and this is one of the things I found out and I really commend you for being courageous and being vulnerable because a lot of us don't share this kind of stories about us, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I have family members who have also been imprisoned, even my own brother uh, and, and, and many others uh, for different yeah. reasons. Some are minor situations where for example uh growing up in manyata our goats trespassed you know and our goats were impounded and when my mom went to get the goats she didn't have 500 shillings and she ended up in jail in kodiaga you know (laughs) so at at high school Mm -hmm. i also had to like mobilize funding to go and release her and she was Mm -hmm. taken there on a friday so she had to stay throughout the weekend you know so on Monday, I went there with full school uniform with the with the money and paid it and she was released. But that mm-hmm. must have been also one of the bonding moments for us, you know, where yeah, yeah. friends mm-hmm. and relatives took off. And then I was just there. I was like, OK, this is us. You know, even my dad was not there at the moment. You know, he, he was doing his own things, but his wife was at Kodiaga, you know, so. Uh, you know, thank you for bringing such a deep uh, story to our conversation. Now, uh, for those who are joining us, uh, this is the African Father in America podcast. Today, I'm really privileged to be hosting Mwafrika, who is uh, not just a mm-hmm. podcaster, he's a YouTuber, he's a, he's a mover and shaker in the Kenyan industry. Right on the couch where he's sitting, he's hosted some of uh, the most incredible guests. Uh, you know, if yeah, you go to his yeah. platform on YouTube, can you tell everybody that could, uh, you know, subscribe to your platform how they can get there? Just real quick before we continue. Yeah, the, the YouTube channel is called Ekonini. Um, so that's I-K-O-N-I-N-I, Ekonini. So Ekonini is like, what? You know, so you speak your mind and then it's what? Like I've, I said what I said. Uh, yeah, Econini is more of I said what I said, yes. Mm. Excellent, excellent. So uh, I want you to now take us a little back, you know, uh, share with us uh, some of your biggest accomplishments as an artist, you know, as an artist, as a creator, uh, and then share with us, you know, some of the projects you're currently working on. I know that you're spending a lot of time on Econini, but I feel yeah. that, you know, the breadth of work you've been doing uh you know i just want to have a deep understanding of the history you know uh you know how did you begin integrating media and hosting uh into your artistry and uh you know how did you build up iconini and really uh is has it been one of your biggest challenges or accomplishments or um 
you know talk to us <laughs> um okay I'd, I'd say i'd have to take you back to the year 2001 so in 2001 i used to hang out a lot with uh Juakali of calif eh? calif records and the reason was back in the days we didn't have streaming platforms where you could get the music to listen to so we had a few we were like this very small community of hip-hop lovers like people who really loved hip-hop in its purest form that means like the so-called underground hip-hop so um i found myself uh i remember i met a friend of mine and uh, this friend of mine told me like there's this guy called paul who lives around Calif, and this guy listens to the sort of hip-hop that you listen to so like yeah i need to go look for this guy I asked like where does he live i was shown the place where he lives and i ended up knocking his door introduced myself and now the friendship started and this friendship would be life-changing in a way that i didn't know because now when that's around the same time that caliph is starting so we are exchanging the music where i get some a few cds i go listen home he gets cds from me he he stays with them and listens because i'm the one who used to visit him he never used to to visit me i used to stay in uh in uh isli so there's this ones where they'd recorded a bunch of songs and uh, i remember maybe i didn't like one song and maybe the way i criticized it they took it wrongly so i remember someone said if you think you can do it better why don't you go and do it and remember all this time i'm like uh, turning 21 i've never thought of rapping a day in my life i never thought i'd be a rapper i really wanted to be involved in the media space but never to be a rapper so through that uh and the pride of like a 21 year old i was like yeah i'm going to try this thing and uh, so what happened was i went and started writing my own raps this is something i'd never tried uh, before and then um since i used to watch a lot of rap stuff from america there was this thing called freestyle where you just talk about stuff randomly so i started studying some guy called supernatural and i no i i did my best i'm not i don't think i even have five percent of his skill but for kenya at that time no one could do what i could do so i found myself being known for freestyle so you could tell me talk about this and i'll just rhyme about it so there's this ones where i went to now where now this rapping thing ends up changing my life is i went to um there used to be kenya nights kenya nights used to be at uh, k1 on baricho road uh so when i went for kenya nights it's um uh, this guy who was hosting it's my again he was hosting that night and a few people in the attendance there was chris kirubi and apart from chris kirubi there was this guy called fred afune from royal media fred afune is still the head of radio at royal media so at some point they were like ah there's this guy called mofrika is known for freestyling let him come on stage and freestyle so i went on stage uh, with buddha blaze you know buddha blaze yeah 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 very so well very stage. well yeah yes yes i went on stage with buddha blaze and he just hand me stuff and i'll, I'll just rap about it and the yeah. crowd went wild mm -hmm. so in the process when the crowd uh, crowd went wild i I, uh, two people introduced themselves to me later. Or one of them was Chris Kirubi. I think Chris Kirubi just did it out of respect. I don't know why he did it. Mm -hmm. He was like, hey, hey, Kijana, you should come <laughs> and see me at Capitol. Uh, told me something like that. I uh, I was, of course, excited. Like, Capitol FM, mm -hmm. this is that. But then there's this other guy, um, uh, now Fred Afune of Royal Media, also gave me his card. And he was like, I'm starting a radio station and uh i'm going to give you a job if you're interested i was like yeah of course i'm interested so i think this was around april um this is april 2004 then 
around July 2004, you know, three months later, I've forgotten about that freestyle night, everything. I'm just going home. I received this call and the call was from uh, a producer at Royal Media. And they were like, yeah, this is station we're starting. It's called YFM. I did want you to uh, comment, you know, do a hip hop show, blah, blah, blah. And that's how I ended up on um, YFM. Ended up doing a show called The Joint. And The Joint is like, I'd say, what more people know me for. Like, more than the rapping, people know me for The Joint. I think even uh, on Calligraph's new album, there's this, a song called Cali Chronicles where he talks about his life and his love for hip hop music. He mentioned Mwafrika and The Joint. So, uh, that's how I ended up now in the media space. And remember, originally, that's what I wanted to do. I was more interested in the media than the rapping and the what. But during my time, like those early 2000s, I would not say the caliber of rappers that were there compared to now, it's different. Like, so I could com compete during that time. You know, like I could, I could compete uh, very comfortably during that time. So, um, yeah, I ended up now in the media space, worked at uh, YFM for two years, then I was laid off. But because the few hip hop fans that were there really loved the show, there's this one girl who was a rapper, she was called Angel, uh, rest in peace to her, um, Angela Wainaina. So Angel ended up, she had about Get Radio starting and she was like, there's this one guy who used to do this really popular hip hop show. And since a lot of people in the ghetto right now are trying to rap, he'd be one of the guys you should work with. And that's how now I got introduced to the whole um, ghetto radio thing. Now with ghetto radio, another thing that happened was there was this lady, uh, Sabina Chege, the politician, you know her? So Sabina yeah, Chege yeah, was supposed well. to be the director. No, she was supposed to be the director, mm -hmm. but she was still working at KBC. And you know, KBC has a lot of opportunities that like all these other like, private stations don't have mm -hmm. so she changed her mind and she changed her mind i think they didn't have someone to do the day-to-day -day running so uh i ended up being like the most qualified person to do to be the program manager you know because she was supposed mm -hmm. to come in and even decide who the program manager would be so that's how i ended up now being the program manager at ghetto radio mm -hmm. stayed there for i'd say from late 2007 to around july 2010 then i quit um that quitting i always tell people it's like one of the worst decisions that i ever made in my life because i was not fired i quit and when i left i always there's this one quote people always quote me on this uh, but i always say like if you leave the house and you have not planned to quit a job do not quit the job so what happened is i ended up quitting and i'd not planned to quit and i quit not because i wanted to quit but i quit because someone had, had employed decided to quit and i felt like maybe i was being loyal to them so i quit and uh yeah i i'd say that i had some level of money discipline so i had like some savings but now you know there was no income coming in um so this is 2010 i stayed for some time before now raya started and uh raya was now the tv show that i used to do with rapture so that ended up on NTV, I think maybe around 2011, going to 2012. Did that for some time and uh, survived on that. And then after around 2013, I joined QFM. And uh, now QFM, I worked for two years and then was laid off when they were doing like a mass layoff. They wanted to close down QFM. So they told like a bunch of us to go. And that's how we got laid off. That's now in 2015 and after 2015 i was like ah i don't think 
this media thing is for me. So I I was now starting to think of other stuff to do. And then if I were to fast forward, because now my mind is not in the media, I'm just doing my own private to businesses here, trying a Kamatri here, a taxi here, this fails, this I try this, I try this. Then in 2019, I ended up moving to South Sea. And in South Sea, like the place, I was looking for a place in South Sea. And uh, I ended up like uh, when I was looking for a, a place, my friend uh, called DJ Zach was like, ah, there's an empty space on the same block that I'm in. Maybe you should come uh, and talk to the landlord, see if you can take the space. So, yeah, I ended up talking to the landlord and then uh, I ended up being his neighbor. Then he started telling me like, you know, with all your media experience, you know, you could start a podcast. I was like, "Art a podcast?" Because by that time, I don't know. This is twenty twenty one. Like all during this COVID time, he used to tell me, "Like you need to start a podcast, and uh, if you need help from me, I'll, I'll, you know, we can start it together." So around twenty twenty one, that's when now uh, we we started the podcast, um, Ikonini, and uh, I'd say it's it's been a very interesting journey because now with the podcast, I found it to be a little bit easy for me. Uh, because of the fact that I'd run a radio station. So I know how to, you know, work those long hours. Because when a podcast is starting, you need to really, you know, put in the hours. There. So that's that's what I'd, I'd say. I don't think it's been um, um, a journey that I can complain about. It's been a very good journey. Another thing that I've been surprised is I never knew that Kenyans can actually appreciate content and even tell you thank you financially. I never thought that was possible. So that, that has been a pleasant surprise, you know. Like uh I remember like the first time someone sent us a hundred shillings because uh, of the podcast. I was like, what? I was so happy. Like it's a hundred shillings, but I was like, no one has ever given me something for just, you know, sitting in front of a microphone, giving you my thoughts on stuff, telling you my life story, and then someone uh throws you something. And yeah, so we kept, uh, I'd say 2001, um, we started around March, no, uh, no, May 26th. And then I'd say in November, that's when Ikonini became Ikonini. Because in November, I got Octopus on the show. And I remember that time we had 1,300 subscribers. And Octo just came and he, he gave his life story. He was funny. He was what? And he pushed us from 1,300 subscribers to 10,000 in less than two weeks. And that's when I'd say now everyone knew about Ikonini after Okto. And yeah, I can say it's been a, you know, a beautiful ride. I'm still enjoying it. Yeah, that's now my story compressed in a very, yeah. It's incredible. It's <laughs> Short incredible. Time. Yeah. Uh, you know, you speak about uh, Calligraph uh, Jones mentioning, you know, the impact you had in his career on his latest yeah. album, but also... Mm. Kinkaka was uh, with me. Kinkaka is an incredible brother. Uh, yeah, and he yeah. was one of the headliners for Madaraka Festival here in the U.S. this year. Uh, and yeah, I hear yeah. that you also gave him a helping hand at the beginning of his career, you know. Uh, yeah, so yeah. speak speak about that briefly. Speak about Madaraka Festival, you know, based on uh, your, yeah. your, your presence in the industry and the fact that this is something that is trying to uh, it's a platform for East African artists and someone you've supported yeah. was on it. How was it received back home? And, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, uh, how was it received back home? But also speak about yeah, yeah. this idea of you being mentioned by some of these major artists uh, as as someone who who actually supported them. You know, uh, when you look yeah. at someone like Calligraph, uh, many people just think that this guy just became successful overnight, but they don't know that there are people who actually uh, held their hands. You know, so speak to that for a moment. Uh, uh, with King Kaka, it's, it's very interesting because I think the first time that I met King Kaka, if I'm not, not wrong, it was in 2006. Uh, it was at the Kenya, used to be called Kenya Music Festival, used to happen at Sarit Center. So by that time, he just used to sell hats, you know. Yeah. So he was an artist and he was selling hats and T-shirts. So the way I helped him that time was uh, he asked me for a space where he could put his stuff and ended up telling him like, hey, you can use this space. I think it was part of uh, the YFM space or something, if I'm not wrong. So there was that. And then, of course, when he released the, that song he did with uh, Hari Kimani, Dodoma, we, we as Ghetto Radio were like were one of the stations that were playing it because this was before he was big, big. And also this other song, Niko Kwa Jam Nakam, he did with Ordinary. So that was another song that we played. But so now when you look at that, of course, these are very like even the T-shirts thing and the hats thing. It's not something I took seriously till he told me about it. And I was like, oh, that had, you know, sometimes you do things for people and you don't know if it has any sort of impact. But when it comes to Calligraph, I'd say like the first time that I met him was at... Uh, there's this event that I was judging. The event was called what? The event was called um, MC Africa. It was by Chanelo. So met him. I think this is around maybe 2009. So I meet this guy. He's just destroyed everyone because you know, like he had the presence. Yeah, he always has this presence that's just um, so. Uh, saw him that time, and then when I quit media in the year 2000. Uh, no, uh, when I I got laid uh, when I quit Ghetto Radio in 2010, that is. Uh, of course, I disappeared. I was not even following what was happening in the media. Then maybe, I, I think around 2013, I had his version of Mario. And I was like, what? And then that's when I connected dots. Like, this is that guy that I'd met during that MC Africa. But when I met him during MC Africa, I remember him also telling me that he used to listen to my show religiously. Now that show called The Joint. So that the joint, like the sort of rappers that I used to play, all those ones like affected how he writes his rhymes, how he does what. And that's why you'll find like even up to now, like he's one of the guys with the most intricate rhyme schemes in Kenya. Because that's like the sort of rappers that I used to play uh, a lot uh, of stuff for. And yeah, so yeah, when he mentioned that how much that show um, like influenced his, like, you know, his understanding of the music and even how he does it. That was, that was something beautiful to see. And now if we jump to the Madaraka Festival, another short story would be, I am, if I'm not wrong, Ghetto Radio was the first station ever to play Lazizi because Lazizi was the first Saudi soul song. Yeah? So Ghetto Radio was the first uh, to play Lazizi. So to see them today, like how huge they are, I'm actually surprised. I won't lie to you because I remember the first time when Lazizi came, we were like, damn, these guys are so different. Mm. I know it's a boy band. Like, you know, so it was a great song. Right. But I'd be lying to say that I thought they'd be as big as they are. Mm. So now to watch the Madaraka Festival and see the videos, like sold out venues um, to see, and then to see like just Saudi Soul and King Kaka, 
and you're like damn this this is this is big so i'd say i remember even around the same time even like because uh, we talked about it on the podcast so i was like ah maybe i need to look for you know uh simon and ask him like hey how how's this thing happening remember that's around the same time but you are too right. busy when right. i was telling you like i need to talk to you about the festival but yeah i can tell you from the outside looking in that festival looked amazing yani mm-hmm. because i think ata kuna time to joke uh, tukasema like hey siku moja tunataka hiyo festival itupate tukifanya podcast huko tukuje tufanye podcast hapo nje venue zako <laughs> yeah you <laughs> know such a great we should yeah, we, sh- we should definitely look into that man uh mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. It, it was big thank you thank you you know uh yeah. calligraph headlined madaraka festival in kisumu in 2019 we've done oh, okay. this yeah since 2014 we've done it every year so yeah, yeah this was year number nine. next year is year number 10 you know um why, why do then i'll have to ask you why do you think year number nine is the one like everyone is talking about because this one everyone is talking about yeah. my yeah. festival you know i think because we did six cities you know the last eight yeah. years we did one city just seattle uh, yeah. and also we did kisumu in 2019 so you know when something happens only in one city it has um, you know a, a smaller impact but when yeah. it happens yeah. uh, in six cities uh, or, you know during a period of three weeks you know the noise is there for three weeks you know um yeah. and also Saudi Soul you know working with Saudi Soul after they had not been to the US for seven years uh was also you know big um and the venues that we worked with you know we are partnering with Live Nation so uh that gave us access to some of the most uh sought after venues in the US you know um So then uh, my question to you as an industry leader because you you've you've actually helped shape the Kenyan uh, entertainment industry because you've podcasted you've you've yeah. uh, you've 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 been an artist yourself you've uh, you've been mm-hmm. in all these situations um what what do you see the role of Madaraka Festival uh, in the in the growth of uh, the Kenyan and East African industry you know Uh, Madaraka fe- last year the bunch headlined Madaraka festival but m- very few okay. people know about that uh, in mm-hmm. 2014 i don't know if you know Maklamo and Ryan Yeah, yeah Maklamo yeah, yeah. The, rap- he- the, the rapper he headlined the very first Madaraka festival in 2014 you know um is is a, a friend of yours cuz he's huge Maklamo is the canadian guy the one with billions of views he's uh, he's based in Seattle he's from Seattle you know he's from seattle he's, he's from canadian. seattle no he's he's not Probably canadian it used to be maklamo and ryan lewis you know and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah the very very first madaraka festival they headlined mm. it uh uwura runga was their trumpet player you know yeah, at that time yeah. and uwura runga was the music director at that time for madaraka festival so yeah. you know since then the growth has just continued you know but very few people know about these other details you know so go ahead because mm-hmm. yeah, I, i i didn't i don't know even why, why i thought he was canadian but i know how huge he is like maklamo is huge yeah uh so hey that's that's great that was in which year the first one 2014 yeah, tw- 2014 and he was even at oh. this madaraka this year yeah. during madaraka festival in seattle he he yeah. was behind you know he was backstage i introduced him to sauti soul and kinkaka 
yeah. and then he went and watched the whole show with his daughter you know and so mm. uh he's very proud of the work we do you know many people start things and they stop in the second or third year but he yeah. was surprised yeah. that these guys are still going uh and the beauty mm. of the work we do is it impacts people back home you know we we through this festival we raise money we collect music instruments uh, production gears uh and this year we were able to also distribute these equipments to Tanzania and Uganda you know so yeah, yeah. um you know I, i just feel that madaraka festival is um for me it's something that is really needed you know and uh, hearing from someone like you helps me understand the impact that it's having on the ground because yeah, there yeah. are things that i can't hear from from where i am or, or because i'm so involved with madaraka festival i can't hear enough uh, of the impact that it's having on the ground um yeah i mean so yeah, uh, go ahead yeah i'd say like cuz when you're asking about like uh, what it means i think it means a lot cuz right now we can say that sauti soul is the biggest group in kenya you know and uh, uh even like uh if if i was to look at 2023 i'd say as we talk right now bn is arguably like the most influential artist in kenya today you know because bn is everywhere so to see sauti soul there and to see the sold out shows and then to see king kaka there um i feel like now everyone is looking forward to madaraka festival 2024 and then 2024 will be looking for madaraka uh, festival 2025 so it's becoming more of the sunsplash of kenya if if that makes sense you remember sunsplash the yeah reggae, totally totally yeah, the reggae festival so yeah I, i feel like madaraka festival could end up be the the sunsplash of uh, of Kenya and also for artists mm-hmm. it's also an opportunity to you know to like earn some good money because you know um yeah you pay in dollars <laughs> exactly exactly dollars, now the artists can come back home and you know uh, the shilling is really weak but the dollar is really strong so right uh yeah and I, I, i also feel like there's a certain fire that being rewarded for your work does to you So I right. expect Saudi soul to get better at what they do if they they can never get better. Right. I expect King Kaka to 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 feel the same. I'm sure there are all rappers right now are waiting next year to see like hey which rapper is going this time. Right. Um so yeah I can I'm only expecting like big things from from Madaraka festival. So yeah that was beautiful. Like uh if I could ask how many people are in those venues like on average because I'm seeing just like so many people like yeah we we had like 25000 people that attended all the shows uh together oh, you know okay. 25 to 30000 mm-hmm. but each venue yeah. had you know about 2500 people at each of yeah. the locations yeah uh yeah. a question for you share yeah. your lineup for next year's madaraka like if you are in my position <laughs> who do you have Ooh. on the lineup <laughs> wow 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 cuz sauti soul is four members eh? that would mean what <laughs> i feel like you to counter sauti so like the the bar that's been set you'd need a few artists to just right. have there so for me right. i'd have singers if i was having singers i'd take two as a package because they've done a lot of songs together mm-hmm. that would be otile brown otile brown and jovial mm-hmm. i feel like those songs should come as a package mm-hmm. and then i feel like it would be time for calligraph to now be the main rapper 
mm-hmm. for 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else do I think about? So I feel like those, if I was looking for singers, those those would be the ones. Uh, yeah. If because as I said, there are too many. Like Saudi Soul is extra huge. So who else would I add in that lineup? But also, if you are having more artists, maybe I'd add Yani. Mm-hmm. I feel like Yani has been doing like a lot of stuff lately. Mm-hmm. Um. And, hey, and to make it controversial, uh, <laughs> you're still adding rappers that add Octo. Both Octo and Calligraph on the same roster would also be very, super interesting to see. But, mm. yeah, if it's singers, to have that, like, after Saudi Soul, like, that level of singing and what, I feel like Otile and Jovial can, can bring that, you know. Yeah. yeah but, and and do you, the, the challenge with doing Madaraka Festival and picking the right artist is actually... Are they going to sell tickets? You know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And and so that is the question that I always have to contend with. I have to do a lot of yeah. research, uh, yeah. and 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 so the question is whether Otile and Jovial could even sell tickets. Like what what were their last shows in the U.S. And oh, okay, uh, okay, okay. so those are some of the things we have to look at. And then what shows mm. did they do in Kenya last? And how many people are at those shows? You know. Uh, and then outside of Kenya, where else have they performed and how many people were at those shows? Those are all mm-hmm. questions mm-hmm. I have to ask myself and yeah, my team will ask me, you know? Yeah, you have to contend with. With Otile, I'd say the reason why I was mentioning Otile would be the way when I look at, like, because uh, my wife has two sisters, yes? And um, I always hear them joke, like the ultimate uh birthday present would be Otile Brown singing at my whatever. So I feel like Ot- the girls love Otile too much. So, and if you have the girls, you have the men. That's how I've always looked at things. Like, Saudi Soul pulled that crowd because there were men who were just following girls. Wherever the girls go there. So I feel like Otile, I'm, I'm sure, like, Otile can pull a crowd with proper marketing and proper what. Uh, and now Jovial would be more of, you know, in like, you know, this would be her time now to actually introduce to herself to some people and show like how great a singer she is. And uh, yeah, yeah, so that, 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 those are the people that come to mind yeah. uh, instantly. But apart from that, of course, there are so many artists. Yeah. The Nadia Mukamis, the like, yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel like this time, yeah, you have to have a lady on, on that roster. Yeah. Not yeah. just for being a lady, but for the ones who are really huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some are really good singers. Uh, like another package, I don't know how expensive it would be, but another package, they all have Otile, it would be Otile, Jovial, and uh, Sanaipe, because those ones come as a package and they've done so many songs, like Interchange. And yeah, I feel like yeah, um, because of the girls, Otile would still t- sell tickets if you had to ask me. Because of girls, mm. the the men now with the uh, rappers, I also feel like a success brings some sort of admiration to people. And right now, the most successful rapper is Calligraph. So yeah, I expect him to also be able to 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 sell tickets. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, there are names there that uh, we, we have not been thinking of, that we, are, we we already have our entire lineup for next year. We are oh, even okay. working on our lineup for 2026, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. 
That's so, interesting. Yeah, so, these are ne- great yeah, uh, names you've added here. There's no one I've mentioned that's on next year's list. <laughs> oh, there, there, there is. There is one person you've mentioned that is on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is one person you've mentioned. I won't say who it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, but the, the, the Kenyan industry is bubbling hot right now. And yeah. I feel that um, uh, Madaraka Festival should should play a pivotal role uh in 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 that growth so i re- really really appreciate you sharing your thoughts in this regard but i want to you know just let everyone who is listening to the african father in america podcast uh, show today uh know that we are here for the regular you know conversation this is a special episode where we are hosting Africa, who is an incredible incredible creative he's a podcaster youtuber but he's also done so much for the Kenyan, uh, you know, entertainment industry. He's been in the media. He's, he's an artist himself. And so we're about to wrap up our time together today here. Uh, I want you, Mwafrika, talk about how people can support your show. Uh, and also, if you have any current project that you're working on, just, uh, you know, touch on that a bit. Thank you. Um, okay, so you can... Sp- uh support the Econini podcast of course by subscribing uh on youtube or even listening to us on the other platforms uh like because you're on all other streaming platforms but a subscription of course helps and uh, if you are in the diaspora once in a while don't skip ads it helps because <laughs> uh, of the cpm abroad um so yeah, that would be one way um to support us uh, another way is we always ask people to sponsor shows so where an individual will uh, give us a small stipend and then we'll like make a whole show, uh, like make a whole, what is what is it called? Like a tagline based on their names, you see? So um, there's, that's, that's another way to support the show. And another way is the thing we normally say, like if you like it, tell a friend to tell a friend, you know, just spread the word out there. Get so because we're trying to get as many eyeballs on it as possible, as many ears listening. So that would be um, the way to support Econ in the podcast. Am I working on another thing? Yes, I'm working on uh, uh, something else I call the Africa podcast. So the Africa podcast, I've already done one interview. Uh, so with the Africa podcast, what I'm trying to do different from uh, Econ in is uh, first of all, we use this language, English, because I'm trying to, Mwafrika means African in Swahili. So I'm trying to get the African conversation going. Uh, so originally, I was just thinking of talking to Africans, but then I've been toying with this idea in my head where uh, looking at the impact that the joint had on so many people's lives, maybe would it be time to maybe have even podcasts with some American artists that played a role in shaping who I am? Even as an African, like there are stories that I used to hear were American stories, but uh, that had an impact on me as an African, you see. So it would be a way to give them their flowers and also to share how maybe we look at life differently. You, you see, you're on the ground. So you know how much like we as Africans sometimes look at life super differently from maybe African-Americans because of like our, the way we've been brought up is very different our cultures are different and what but music always has a way to unite people so that's a, a store uh, something i've been toying with i don't know if i'm going to execute it but yeah those are the two things i'm working on Ikonini, uh, as usual where we have at least one hour every day and then the Africa podcast that i want to be weekly yes that's amazing you know one thing that many podcasters don't know 
is uh, to, to take podcasting or to take creativity as a full-time job. And people yeah. go to work every day, you know. Uh, yeah. But podcasters just want to create one episode per month, you know. So I really love yeah. that you're creating at least one episode per day, you know. Uh, yeah. That's the discipline that I have where I create, an you know, five episodes per week, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's very hard. It's very hard, and uh, I I just love Caring. that you're doing that too. Yeah, yeah, mm, mm, mm. yeah, man. Yeah, we, um, we push ourselves. We push ourselves uh, as much as possible. Because I always say, like, employment is supposed to also teach you how to work for yourself. Because you know, you can't call your employer and tell them, you know, I'm not showing up today. Uh, so your employer expects at least five days from you per week. So at least, even if you're doing something for yourself, give yourself five days. You know, mm. if you can at least work for five days. 100%, 100%. So, you know, you're a podcaster. You could be interviewing me now. So I want to give you that chance. Ask me one last question and then we'll wrap up the show. Um, So, like, I'd say when you started the Madaraka Festival all those years ago and you had, like, Mark Olmo as the headliner, were you thinking of a time when it would just be Kenyan artists, like, doing everything? Because, like, this other one was strictly Kenyan, am there were other there was a zimbabwean artist there was a trinidad and tobago artist uh that's a good question though when we started madaraka festival we knew that it's a it's an african it's a pan-african event you know uh and it will stay a pan-african event but this year we began making it an east african event for the entire african nation globally you know but it's headlined yeah. by a Kenyan or East African artist, you know, so okay. that uh, we can really build East African music. Because uh, here in the U.S., if you look at just this week alone, you know, you find that Rema is touring the U.S. Uh, you find that um, there are probably three big Nigerian artists touring the U.S. at the same time, you know. Yeah. yeah. But for us uh, to tour the U.S. legitimately, I would say this year, has been the most significant year, maybe in the last 15 years, uh, maybe even 20, where you have um, uh, a serious and well-organized and a professional tour uh, that is happening at venues that could really, not that could, but after the the Madaraka Festival, USA tour with Saudi Soul, you saw what happened, you know, they, they began uh, selling out venues in the U in in Europe too. They were at yeah. Afro Nation, you know. So uh, and they were telling me themselves, look, this this is actually a dream. This is what we are experiencing now with this tour. This has been a dream of ours, you know. And I was in my heart. I was also telling myself that this has been a dream of mine because when we started Madaraka, we have always said that hey, we need to do this in multiple cities. But mm-hmm. I didn't really know how to get it there so what i realized is consistency is what got us there you know because we've never missed any year since we started madaraka so last year cnn featured the story of madaraka as the most consistent african festival you know and so that story helped us legitimize what we were doing gave us the credibility cnn was in seattle for madaraka festival for three days you know they were in my living room you know uh, and mm-hmm. so uh, when you do something consistently and you don't think about what people are saying and you understand where you're trying to go, 
the help actually comes to you, you know. Uh, and yeah. I think that's what happened with Madaraka Festival. Uh, so for now, we are completely focusing on East African music, but we will yeah. have, we will spice it with other artists, you know. One West African artist here from countries that are not really represented when it comes to touring, you know. Uh, yeah. And maybe a Caribbean artist here, so that we continue being a Pan-African platform, but created by East African artists, you know, created by an East African, uh, you know, national holiday, Madaraka. Um, yeah, and yeah. we're also thinking of even doing multiple tours every year. You know, next year we are going to go to at least 10 cities. You know, this year we did six, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, so it's going to grow mm -hmm. even more in terms of reach. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. this year we reached over 30 million people digitally, you know, people who are just watching yeah. the videos, going to the website. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it means that people are paying attention, you know. Yeah, so uh, the idea is once we really get the rhythm of doing big tours like this, then we can do two of them, uh, you know, once a year uh, to give more space to many other artists. Because as, as you're speaking about the lineup, that if you are in my situation, you'd curate, uh, yeah. I realize that there are so many artists that deserve an opportunity uh to to do tours like this and to tell yeah. you the truth nigerian music would not be succeeding in the u.s without kenyans i don't know if yeah, you know yeah, that I've heard, I, i've heard that yeah. i've heard that like even kenya Ken, even tanzanian music yeah you you know mm -hmm. everything even reggae you know reggae would not yeah, be where yeah. it is without kenyans you know so mm -hmm. why are kenyan artists not here then you know so that's mm -hmm. the gap we want to fill you know yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and as you said that, it, it made me realize one thing. I remember like that time when we were talking about possible guests, there's one rapper, I was like, who is this rapper? Major. Okay, now that's that's my final list. Whatever yeah. I've given you plus Major. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. Major is big. Major, Major has been able to survive. I think he's, this is over 20 years in the industry or close wow. to 20 years. It's yeah. crazy, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely will reach out to you on the side after the show so that you can connect me to some of these uh, incredible talents because yeah, I, yeah. I need direct connections to the artists so that I can share more about what the vision is and then figure out what their management will say. Um, okay. But my brother, I just want to thank you. I would love to do this again. And uh, if there's any way I can personally be supportive of what you're doing also, let me know. Mm -hmm. But I just want so, you so to I'll... know that I appreciate you. I'm trying to get you on Econini, so we'll talk about that. Remember, we so, so. talked about uh, uh, having that discussion. So now that time, you'll have to put on your Kiswahili shoes if you still have them. Yeah, uh, man. So yeah, I'm trying to, to, to get you on Econini, and yeah, we can continue the conversation, you know. Anytime, anytime. Asante sana. Yeah, Asante. Okay, take care of yourself. Peace. Okay, you too. Okay. Africa, Father in America. You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javanokello live from Seattle.